Dear friends in Jesus Christ, great to see you today on this third Sunday in Advent. What I'm trying to stir all of us up to do today is to get more serious about our Lord Jesus Christ. So the sermon today, it's based on Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 2. And we're going to identify 10 key qualities of a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're doing well in all those ways, great. But if you're not, I'm going to challenge you to change. What I'm asking you to do today is as we come to each of the 10, I want you to grade yourself as to how you're doing right now by giving yourself a one, a two, or a three. So number one means I'm doing good. Number two means I want to improve. Number three means I want a major change in this area of my life. So I left you a little blank there in the service folder next to each of the 10 key items. Just before we get to that, let's understand a little bit as to where we were last week and where we have come to today as far as a biblical account goes. Last week, we were focusing on John the baptizer, and he was preaching, and he was calling people to repent. What has happened since then? Well, Jesus began his ministry, so both of them were doing ministry at the same time. John was continuing to preach and baptize. And Jesus, he was calling his own disciples. He was doing teaching, and he was also doing many miracles. So they were both functioning at the same time. Today, we come to a sad situation for John. So today, John is in prison. Jesus is continuing his ministry, but John is in prison and John is seeking some assurance about the identity of Jesus. It's kind of an odd thing. You would think that John would have been like so rock solid on that topic, but he's seeking some assurance. Now, Harold mentioned in his class on Thursday, that's an interesting thought, that was John actually seeking the assurance for himself, or was he wanting his own disciples to get more assurance? It's an interesting thought. It could, be, it could be both. It could be the disciples. It could be John. We don't know for certain, but it's interesting how this all comes together. First of all, we come to the first item on the checklist. Be sure of Jesus' identity. So are you absolutely sure? If so, put a number one. If you're not quite sure, put a number two. If you're very unsure, put a number three. Going to our text, the Bible says, Now when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the expected one? In other words, are you the one that was promised to Adam and Eve? Are you the one that was mentioned over and over and over again in the Old Testament scriptures? Are you that person? Or... Shall we look for someone else? That was the question of John to Jesus via his disciples. Well, back then and today, opinions about Jesus, they are mixed. So let me give you a few options here. Some people would say Jesus is a good teacher, but only a good teacher, no more than that. Other people would say he is only a prophet, 
Even the Muslims count Jesus to be a prophet. So it's nice that they do that in a way, but they're stopping short of who he really is. Or what about back in the day of Jesus? What did the religious leaders think of him? They basically said, this is a guy who stirs up a whole bunch of trouble and he has no connection with God. Or option number three, he is the very son of God. He has come down from heaven. He has put on human flesh and he is the one and only savior of the world. And then we come to the second item on the checklist, rely on tangible proof. We shouldn't say, well, I have like a friend of a friend and he said it would be a good idea if I trusted in Jesus. That wouldn't be tangible proof. We want to dig into the word of God. We want to know for certain based on what God is saying to us in his word. So Jesus answered and said to John's disciples, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. These are super remarkable things. So when John's disciples came, they must have been with Jesus for a little while and they actually saw the blind who are now seen. They actually saw people who were lame, unable to walk, and now they're walking. They actually saw people who were leprous, obvious on their skin, and then they were clean on their skin. And they also saw people that were actually dead, and now they're living. I mean, these are such remarkable things. John's disciples also heard Jesus preaching and teaching. So Jesus was saying to people who were kind of like locked in a, a dungeon of sin, a dungeon of despair, a dungeon of death. And Jesus was saying, I have come to release you from that dungeon. I have come to forgive your sins. I have come to give you the gift of eternal life. So for people who thought all was hopeless, all was despair, he came with great information to lift them up and to bless them eternally. So it was an amazing thing. Number three then, I'll never be offended by Jesus. So sometimes we might say, okay, I've been a follower of Jesus for all these years. And sometimes we get the idea and say, you know, because I've been so faithful all these years, God kind of owes me a little bit. So that means my life shouldn't be so difficult. God should cut me a break. God should give me special help. So some people can get that idea. And then when their life does become super difficult, what are they thinking? Maybe I should just abandon this whole Jesus idea because my life is miserable even though I'm trusting in him. When I say that, that reminds me of Psalm 73. So you might want to read that, but it's so interesting though, that's almost exactly what the psalmist is saying about halfway through. He's saying, here I am a Christian, and yet my life is miserable. Then I look at the people who are rejecting God, and they're like living on easy street. He's like, this isn't right. What's going on here? 
But then what God does right at that moment, about two-thirds of the way, I think, through the psalm, God opens the heart and the mind of the psalmist to be able to see that the end of the life of the one who does not trust in the Lord, it's like a slippery slope, and he's going to be in trouble forever and ever. What I'm trying to say here is, no matter how difficult things become, do not give up on Jesus. That's really what Jesus is saying right here to John. Let me tell you what I have in mind here. So if Jesus said, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now think about John. He was super high in his calling. We are going to find out a little bit later in this sermon that he was the greatest among men. So super high in his calling, yet he was very low in his living, in his clothing, in his food. And then, to make matters even worse, now he finds himself thrown into a miserable prison. And why is that? Only because he persisted in speaking God's truth. So John maybe could have come to this kind of a conclusion. Maybe he could have thought, I have given up everything and it has been for nothing. Maybe John thought about it and said, yes, I can kind of see how my life and my ministry, it's all leading up to the coming of the Christ. And then maybe he thought that once Christ comes on the scene, Christ is going to be like Moses. I'm going to be like Joshua. I'm going to be his right-hand man. And we're going to serve together. And it's going to be amazing. But it didn't turn out that way, did it? John ends up in this miserable prison. And Jesus is trying to say to John, do not give up no matter what. What about us? When we are down about following Jesus, when it seems like life is difficult, let us remember some fundamental things. Let us remember that God still loves us. Let us remember that we still have God's forgiveness. Let us remember that we are still members of the kingdom of God. And let us remember that though life is difficult now, an awesome eternity is coming. So for all those reasons and more, let us never give up on Jesus no matter what. And then uh, number four, so never bend a popular opinion. Well, John certainly didn't do that, and we shouldn't either. But if you find yourself wavering in that way, maybe you need to indicate a number two or maybe even a number three. How are you doing in that way? Going to what the Bible says here, picking up in verse seven, as these men were going away, talking about the disciples of John, now they're going back to see John to report what Jesus has said. So now the Bible tells us that Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. He said to them, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Now, think about it. When we come to corrupt politicians, what are they doing oftentimes today? They have all these polls or surveys that they're putting out there, and they're trying to find out what the people are thinking or wanting, and then they're telling the people what they want to hear. 
But it can be a very deceptive thing, though. Let's say the candidate is traveling to Iowa. Oh, let's find out what the people in Iowa want, and I'll tell them that. Oh, now we're going to travel to Ohio. Let's find out what they want, and then we'll tell them what they want. I mean, it's, it's, it's no way to proceed at all. And even with people who are serving in churches as pastors, what are they doing? They're trying to tell people what they want to hear because that's going to make the people happy, they think. The people will keep coming. The people will give money. That's going to work out better. So let's tell them what they want to hear. That is no way to proceed as a politician nor as a pastor. When it came to John, he was not like a reed swayed by the wind. So if you think about something very lightweight, standing straight up, you know, if the wind is blowing, it can push it this way. If the wind is blowing, it can push it the other way. But John wasn't that way. John was staying right with the word of God. No matter what, whether the people wanted to hear it or not, John was sticking right with it as Christ followers let us tell the truth too, and let us do so regardless of the consequences. We can always know when we tell the truth, that's going to be pleasing to God. And even if it doesn't seem to work out well, God will be with us, God will help us, God will use us to get the truth out to others. Number five, never pursue an easy life. So, it's natural to do that. Honestly, probably all of us in America, we have pretty easy lives, but we shouldn't pursue that though. We should be thankful for the ease that we have in life, but we shouldn't pursue it. Jesus said, but what did you go out to see? Re referring to John, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. So when we think about John, he was characterized by toughness. So John had tough clothes, he had tough food, and he had tough preaching. He did not seek an easy life, but what kind of a life, though, what kind of a life did John seek? John sought a God-honoring life. Whether it's going to be easy or not, he said, I'm going to seek a God-honoring life. May God help us to take that same attitude and know that that is ultimately going to be best when we seek a God-honoring life. And then number six, uh, speak the word of God. So John did it, and God wants us to do it too. So how are you doing? A one, a two, or a three? Jesus went on to say to the crowd, but what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. So thinking about God's prophets, so the Old Testament prophets and John himself, what was going on, the Spirit of God was moving those men to speak the very words of God. Can we do the same thing? Well, not exactly the same. The Holy Spirit isn't going to move us in exactly the same way he did the prophets. But what can we do, though? We can read our own Bibles. We can come to Bible class. We can understand the Bible well. And then we can share the Bible with others in an understandable way. And by doing so, we are, in a sense, 
functioning like a prophet of God. Number seven, seek first God's kingdom. So there are all kinds of things that try to try to get between us and seeking the kingdom of God. So if you're really good at keeping the kingdom of God first, put a one. But if you're struggling some in that area, maybe put a two or a three. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. How can he be the greatest and the least at the same time? That doesn't make sense, does it? Well, think about it like this. He is the greatest because he was chosen by God to prepare the way for the Messiah. So that made him the greatest. All the other Old Testament prophets, none of them were chosen for that particular purpose. John was chosen for that purpose. But why is it that we are greater than John, though? Maybe that's the hard one. Why are we greater than John? Well, it's because we know about the sacrificial dying and the glorious rising of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the written account in the Bible. We know it. We know the details, and we know it all with certainty. Now, think about John. When he was in prison, he ended up dying in prison before Jesus completed his ministry. So John kind of had an idea a little bit of what the Messiah would do and how he would take away the sin of the world. But there's so much, though, that John did not know. We know all that information, so that makes us even greater. So when, when we come to this idea of seeking first God's kingdom, because we know the whole story, because we know of the problem of sin, we know of who Jesus is, we know of what he did, we know how all of that is super important for us, then we should always seek first his kingdom. And then coming to number eight. I'm saying here, be unstoppable. Let me share a story with you that will kind of put us in the direction of being unstoppable. So back on January 24th, 1848, there was a man named James Marshall, and he was out in California, and he found gold. When he found gold, and he made that known to the authorities, that triggered the California gold rush. And in a very short time, 300,000 people hurried out to California to get their own slice of the gold. Well, think about John's ministry. What happened when he was out in the wilderness? God had made it known to many people that he was a true prophet of God. So his ministry triggered many people, maybe even 300,000 people triggered them to go out to John, not to get earthly riches, but to be sure of the forgiveness of their sins and to have membership in the kingdom of God. These are the words that Jesus said. They're a little bit difficult, but he said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Let me try to explain it this way. When the Holy Spirit revealed the value of the kingdom of God to people and they realized, oh, the kingdom of God that is what I need more than anything else. 
I need to be right with God. I need the forgiveness of my sins. I want to be with God forever. So when people knew what it was, then many people were unstoppable in obtaining it. They didn't care if they had to leave the comforts of the city. They didn't care how difficult it was. They were going to go out there and they were going to get these great blessings of God. Since we know how important it is to be right with God, to be forgiven in Christ, may God keep us unstoppable in always pursuing our Lord Jesus Christ, in always pursuing the things of God. And then coming to number nine, heed John's call. So Jesus said here, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So what, what he's saying there by that, he's saying in the Old Testament, the prophets kept telling the truth and they kept pointing ahead to the coming Messiah. And then Jesus said, and if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. Now, does that mean that Elijah was somehow like reincarnated? Is that who John is? No, there's no such thing as reincarnation. The Bible makes that clear over in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. But what he's saying here, so if you take a look at the Bible and you come to the very last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, you go to the last chapter in the last book, you go to the last two verses in the last chapter, and what you find is you find a reference to the coming of the prophet Elijah. So what Jesus is saying, he is wanting to clarify to us that John is this Elijah-like prophet that was promised at the end of the Old Testament. That's who John is. So let's be certain that is who John is, and then let us be certain that the one John proclaimed, Jesus, let us be certain that he is the promised Savior of the world. Finally, the last one here, hear, think, repent. So Jesus concluded by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So let's be certain that God is talking. No doubt about that. God is talking. God is talking to everyone in the world through his word. God is talking, but the question is, are we hearing? Are we taking time to think about the word of God? Are we continuing to think about it and to ask questions until we come to a proper understanding? And then once we understand by the power of God, are we turning from our sins? Are we trusting in Jesus Christ for eternal life? And are we seeking to follow his will for our lives? I hope that's true for all of us. May God help us to know that in Christ we are forgiven. Let us rejoice in our great Savior. I hope you did well on the checklist, but uh, in a sense, if you didn't, probably none of us put a one for all of them. Uh, I certainly didn't. I need to work on some of them myself. So I hope you have indicated a one, two, or three for each of the 10 items. And then I hope you'll take it home. You'll think about it. You'll pray about it. And wherever you have less than a one, may you have an action plan as to how you're going to work up to having that item turn into a one. Let us pray.
Lord Jesus, since we know it is best to fully follow you, help us that we would examine today's checklist. Help us that we would repent wherever repentance is necessary. And then help us that we would seize every opportunity to live for you in our daily lives. In your holy name we pray. Amen.